Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. Several weeks ago, we started a character study of seven people whose interaction with others ultimately has led to the healing from leprosy of the commander of the Syrian forces in those days and the name and the glory of God being spread to the Syrian nation which was if you know history was a very very evil nation but character studies are good because now I love character studies um, of people who are successful uh, in the Bible other than Jesus first of all my second is David and the reason and I did about a five-year study on David and uh, but what's interesting is God said he was a man after God's own heart but he said that about him after he had had an affair with Bathsheba and had her husband killed and I thought what characteristics are there that make him a man after God's own heart. And so character studies are good. And so far in this study, we've only covered four people. We've covered a servant girl, Naaman's wife, um, the king of uh, Syria, and the king of, of Israel. And um, the servant girl. Here she was, the Bible says a young girl. She was probably in her teens, if you look that up in the Hebrew. Um, she was taken in a raid uh, by the uh, Syrian army, pulled from her home. It doesn't tell us it's a possibility. She might have seen her brothers or her, her, her dad or other members of her family killed. And any life that she might have known or dreamed of was, out, was gone. And yet, and yet, and, and in the natural, let me back up here, in the natural, nobody would have blamed her if she the thought of Naaman, because Naaman had leprosy, if she the thought, well, serves you right. I just hope you lose a finger and die. But she didn't. The Bible says, and yet she went to Naaman's wife and said, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And then we had Naaman's wife. Now Naaman's wife, you know, Naaman was probably the number two, three man in the kingdom. And the Bible says the king, he was a man of valor, and the king thought very, very highly of him. And so Naaman had to go to a lot of parties at, at the, at the, um, uh, in, the, in the castle, or wherever it was, or the big tent, or whatever. And so he took his wife, so she had to know social graces. And a woman of a man of that stature, he was probably very wealthy. He probably gave a lot of parties and dinings and so she had to be a woman that knew social graces and how to how to run a business and how to form these things so she wasn't no ditzy blonde she really wasn't and yet when the servant girl came to her instead of saying well who do you think you are we've tried every physician we can think of she didn't do that she went to Naaman and Naaman went to the king of Syria, and his name was Ben-Hadad. I think I'd kill my parents if they called me that, they named me that. But anyway, the moment, the moment that Naaman came to him, he said, go now, go. I'll, I'll, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. Go, go, go. He wanted him to go. But then you get to the fourth guy who was the king of Israel, 
And his response was this. Uh, let me read it from the uh, Amplified. When the king of Israel read the letter from King Ben-Hadab, he tore his clothes in shock and outrage at the request and said, Am I a God to kill and make alive that this man sends me a request to heal a man of his leprosy? He's just looking for an opportunity to pick a quarrel with me. I mean, so you had three out of four ain't bad. Three out of four of these people were operating in love. See, the Bible teaches us that when we're walking in God's love, love didn't think, doesn't think evil like the king of Israel. Love always wants the best for others. Love always wants the best for others. And when we're talking about the love of God, we're not talking about this mushy, gushy, oh, sweetie, I love you so much. It's so cute. And then you go out and beat somebody or beat your wife. Or you've got this brand new pickup truck and you've got all these guns and your wife and kids just barely make it. We're not talking about the gushy, gushy stuff. This isn't what we're talking about. The love of God... As Christians, we're supposed to have that. The love of God is an act of our will. And it is reflected in our behavior towards others. Let me say that again. The love of God that we're supposed... See, God's love was an act of His will. And it was reflected in His behavior. He sent His Son. He hasn't wiped you and I off the face of the earth. And I don't know about you, but in all honesty, we're in church, so I'm going to tell the truth. He's got plenty of reasons to wipe me out. So love of God is an act of our will that's reflected in our behavior. Now, what do I mean by the love of God? Well, that means to treat others as God treats you. Let me put it to you this way. When was the last time, and I, this is rhetorical, we, you told God, well, you know, Lord, I love you and I'm going to serve you. And, you know, I'll get up and pay that 10 minutes a day and I'll read my Bible. But you didn't keep your word. When you did go to God, oh God, I got this problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. Did God turn his back on you and walk away? No. So how do we treat people that don't keep their word with us? Or when we sin against God, like we read in our Sunday school lesson this morning. God doesn't walk off and leave us. He forgives us. And not only does he forgive us, but when we, when we sin, and I'm laughing because I'm thinking of Owen Childers here. When we sin, and we've done something that maybe we did, this is the second, third, fourth, or fifth, or mm, time we did this thing. And we go to God and we say, God, I blew it, I've sinned, I'm sorry. God doesn't stand up there in heaven and go, well, you know, this is the 16th time you've done that. I'm not going to, he doesn't do that. He's not this irascible, long gray-haired, white-bearded person who doesn't want us to have fun standing in heaven looking over the parapets and says, I'm going to get you. He doesn't do that. And yet, he's never reminded me of my past sins. And yet, I wonder how many times we remind others when they blow it with us. 
You know, the second time you've done that. You know, I'll be truthful with you. When my kids were growing up, there would be times when they would make a mistake and I'd say, you know, I told you last time you did this, blah, blah, blah. And then as I began to read and understand the love of God, I had to quit saying that. If I was going to walk in the love of God, God said he doesn't remember my sins. And when my kids said, Dad, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and then go on. If it happened again, God doesn't bring it up to me. I've never, Jerry, I've never had God say to me, you know, last year you did that, Owen, and I, he's never done that. And that's what I'm talking about, the love of God. And walking in love of God does not mean we can't say no or we can't stand up to somebody. That isn't what it means. A lot of Christians mean thinking that the love of God means that we can't stand say no to someone or we can't stand up to them. That's not what it means. It just means that we change our motive for telling them and we change our presentation and the way we say it. That's what the love of God really means. You jerk, what's, no, no. That's not the love of God, see? Well, brother, you know, I'm telling it like it is. The Bible says, telling the truth in love, and that's what I'm doing. You know, if you stop and think of that scripture for a moment, speaking the truth in love, that's a four-part scripture. Let me explain. Speaking the truth in love. Let's talk about the love of God. Number one, what's your motive for telling the person what you're going to tell them? Is it to get something for yourself? Are you telling them to get your own way? Are you telling it... Sometimes we quote-unquote tell the truth in love to get even with people. What's your motive for telling them that? The second thing in telling the truth in love is what's your content? What are you telling them? Are you leaving something out so that it skews it so it brings favor to you? Or are you adding words to it a little bit so it makes you look better or you get your way? What are your choice of words? We're talking about content. First is motive. Second is content. Are your words cruel or abrasive? Or are they crass? Or are they kind and gentle? You know, I'm naturally, in the natural, even when I'm one-on-one, -on -one, I used to be very, very loud individual. And there would be people who would go to my wife and say, Sherry, why is Pastor angry at me? She'd say, he's not mad at you, why? Well, he's, but see, and I had to work at that. And so we had signs. My wife would see me talking to somebody. And she'd be across the room and she would go. And I would know I'm getting maybe a little. And there would be times I'd look at her and say, I don't care. I want them to know, you know. <laughs> but... but so first love, second is content, and then third is presentation. This all has to do with telling the truth in love. How do you present it to them? Well, I just want you to know, Mar, that, you know, Mar, yeah, that's fine. What did that just tell you? And you know the one that gets me? Well, 
you're talking about someone or t well, you know, I've heard it said if you can't say anything good about anybody, don't say anything at all. So I'm just not going to say anything. Well, you might as well tell them what's on your mind because you just said it. And so first is motive when we're telling the truth and love. Second is content. Third is presentation. What's your body language? You know, if I were to go to my wife and say, yeah, honey, I love you, sure. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be sleeping on the couch and preparing my own meals for a long time. And then the third thing is, what's your timing? Did you know God's a God of timing? The Bible says that when the right time came, or the fullness of time came, he sent his son. God's a God of timing. Timing. And so, when we're walking in the love of the Lord, that's dealing with people the way God deals with us. And those first three people, you know, part of what walking in love is, we always want the best for others. Remember I told you several weeks ago that the instructions of God, you're going to hear this from me a lot, uh, are designed to do three things. Number one, it's designed to, to close Satan out of, to, uh, to stop Satan's ability to affect your life. See, the Bible says <laughs> the wages of sin is death. You know what? I don't like to sin because I don't like what the devil pays. I'm serious. I don't like what the devil pays. You know, I was lamenting to the Lord one time. I was going through this problem that I had gone through about six, eight months before, and I was lamenting to the Lord and saying, God, why am I going through this again, God? It's the same thing. God, why are you doing this to me? And the Lord said, God said to the Holy Spirit, I didn't do it to you. Huh? Bible says only good things come from God. I didn't do it to you. Well, why am I going through this? Because you didn't handle it right the last time you went through it. Oh. And all you did was give Satan an opportunity to bring it back around in your life again. So, the instructions of God are designed to do three things. Number one, it's designed to stop Satan's ability to affect our life. Number two, it's designed to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus Christ. And the third thing it's, it's designed to do is position ourselves so that we can receive the blessings of the Lord. And when we stay and walk in the love of God, we do all three of these things. That's what those first three people did. They wanted Naaman healed. Even that servant girl wanted Naaman healed. But let me share with you, as a Christian, when we get out of the love of God, things began to go amiss, and a lot of things go amiss in our life. It really does. And sometimes they're not real big things, but they're little things. Kind of like having a rock in your shoe or, you know. My wife uh, went to Israel, how many years ago was that? 22. 22 years ago. I was supposed to go, but I had an emergency come up, and so she went in my place. And she came back, and one of the things she told me was, she said, oh, and I, I really understand the scripture about the little foxes spoiling the vine. 
She said, you know why? When we were looking at the vineyards, they told us, the big foxes get in and, and they'll eat the grapes. And they, because they're big, they'll eat them up so high that when the little whelps come in, the pups come in, they can't reach them. And so you know what they do? They chew away the stem of the grape plant and the plant falls over and then they can get to the grapes, but they've ruined the plant. It's the little things in our life. And so when we get out of the love of God, there's a lot of things that get amiss in our life. Let me, let me just share with you. I, I just feel like we'll get to the last part of this hopefully next week. Let me share with you some benefits of staying and operating in God's love. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, would you? Galatians chapter 5. Now I don't... In the Old Testament... My favorite book is Proverbs. In the New Testament, this is my favorite book. And I'll tell you why. Because it taught me about the grace of God. And the fact that there was nothing I could do, not a thing I could do, other than believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus was my Lord to get into heaven. And when that finally dawned on me, I mean, I was already saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. God, what do you want me to do? Nothing. Yeah, but God, you're just so good to me. How, how about if I give more money? No. Well, God, I, Owen, just trust me. Well, yeah, but God, he finally got tired of me saying, God, what can I do? Nothing. It's like the grace of God. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like carrying and walking up a narrow stairwell with no railings on each side. You know why? Because there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. God loves you that much. And His grace, I, He said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Here, it's yours. All things have been given to us that pertain to life, natural, godliness, spiritual, through the knowledge of Him through his precious promises. That's it. Well, let's go on. Galatians, the, the, the benefits of, of, or the unbenefits of when we get out of walking in love. Galatians chapter 5. Stand steadfast in the liberty whereby Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What he's saying there is simply this. Don't think any works that you do are going to put you in good standing with God. It's your faith in Him and that He's going to do what He says. Anyway, well, I'm just going to... I, my, where I want to go is verse 6. But indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, circumcision was a mark of the old covenant that was based upon what man could do to have favor with God. That's what it was based on. Now, I don't do a lot of, um, what do they call those mess sermons where you have things? What do they call illustrated sermons? I, thank you. Uh, I don't do much. But maybe one of these days, I'm going to show you the difference between the old way that they got uh, their sins pushed forward and the new way. I might do that. It's illustrated. But anyway, he's saying, look, 
the works that you do will profit you nothing. I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole law. In other words, if you think that works is going to put you in favor with God, okay, then God says, listen, then you're under the law and you have to keep the whole law. And what did Jesus say about keeping the whole law? Do any of you remember? Beg your pardon? It can't be done. It can't be done. No. You know what the law did? We're off course here. I don't care. Lord, thank you. You know what the law did? The law simply showed you you couldn't keep it. There was no way that you could be right with God. No way. You just you couldn't keep the law. And instead the law said, you can't keep it, but there's one coming who will make it so you can. That's what the law was all about. It was a schoolmaster. Schoolmaster. Let's go on. You have become estranged from Christ who attempt to be justified by the law, your works, and you've fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We're talking about the love of the Lord. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. In other words, it didn't matter whether you were circumcised or uncircumcised. In your relationship with God, it didn't matter. But here's what does matter. But faith working through love. Faith, how do we get born again? Galatians chapter 3, Romans 10, 9 and 10. How do we get born again? We come to church, we pay money and get on the register, right? How do we get born again? Somebody tell, this is not a quiz. I'm not going to give you an F if you get it wrong. How do we get born again? Somebody go to Romans 10, 9, and 10. Oh, by, by faith you've been saved, by grace, and that, what? That grace and that faith isn't of yourself. It's a gift of God. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you'll believe in your heart, notice, believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And if you confess your sins, he's forgiven you. That's it. That's all it is. But it's your faith operates by, what does it say, Galatians 5 and 6? By love. That word love is God's love. And the word works there means to energize or to be active. Your faith works by love. Maybe... Maybe today, let me just close with this. There's a bunch of other points here, but we'll, we'll do those next week. Maybe if you're praying about something and you're struggling with faith, maybe you're, maybe you're praying for an unsaved loved one or maybe you're praying for healing in your finances or in a marriage or in a relationship where you're praying for your kids or, and you're struggling with your faith. Maybe the problem isn't your faith. Maybe it's your love walk. Because faith works, operates by love. Let me tell you what I've learned. Sometime I can get so embroiled in a situation 
that I get out of love. And then it doesn't come out right. Oh, yeah, it may solve the problem, but it's, I mean, it may be a placebo to the problem, but it doesn't come out right. But you know what? When I'm walking in love, God's love. Okay, oh, I see God. Okay, I repent of that. And I get back over in your love. You know what? My faith just, whew. I used to work for Texas Instruments. Close with this. And um, we would do, when I left, we did about $75 million a quarter is how much they did. And I was in management and I had a, an assembly line that I was responsible for. And there would be times, and I'm glad they didn't tell me this the first time we had to make these decisions, but I found out there would be decisions because we made computers and 911 systems for Dell and Compact and all of these things. And there'd be times the customer would come down and want to make a change to something they were doing. And sometimes there would be three or four decisions that could be made. And I would listen to our supervisors. I had seven. Then I'd say, thank you for your input. But I continually on a daily basis prayed over the job. And they'd walk off, and as they'd walk off and leave me alone for a few minutes, I'd pray and then I'd make the decision. And one day, I got a call from the vice president, and he called me into his office. And he says, um, I don't know how you do this, but every time we have to make a change on something, he said, sometimes these changes affect a half a million, a million, a million and a half dollars. And I'm glad he didn't tell me that before. <laughs> but he said, what do you do? Because you'll make a decision and six months later the customer will come and want another decision, but the decision you made here costs us less and we don't lose money on that second decision. How do you do it? And I said, well, I could tell you, but you wouldn't believe me. And he said, tell me, tell me. And I began to share with him about walking in love and faith. I pray about it. I care. I pray about the job. If you're struggling today with something in your life, maybe it's financial and you're having trouble with your faith. Maybe the problem isn't the faith. Maybe it's the love walk. Maybe you haven't forgiven someone or, or there's strife in your life with something else. And let me share with you whenever when, whenever we get out of love, I know out of the love of the Lord, things get a little amiss in our life. But it's our faith in God and in His promises. But that all operates by love. By grace are you saved through faith. That faith operates by not only the love of God, but your love for Him. Let's close. Lord, we didn't get very far this morning. But you know what? I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your word and your faithfulness to your word. You said you, 
you hasten to perform your word. You said you watch over it. And Lord, sometimes your promises have conditions. But there's other times we just got to believe them. Like salvation. Believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and it's done. We don't have to wake up every morning. We don't have to wake up every morning and remake that vow again. We don't have to do that. And you know, I don't understand your love, but boy, I thank you for it. And Lord, when we're praying, you said if we pray in faith, believing, whatsoever things we ask in faith, believing, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But our faith operates by love. Loving you, loving you, love in your promises, and then loving people like you love us. And maybe there's people here today that are struggling with something. Maybe it's a financial, maybe it's a, a, a relational, maybe it's a son or a daughter. I don't know what it is, but they're struggling. Lord, maybe the problem, maybe they've had enough of your word Maybe it's that it's not operating in, in love. And if that's the case, would you just show them so that they can break that bondage? In Jesus' name, amen.